0: Father God, we thank you so much for uh, the the call and the blessing and the salvation that you have given us uh, as we seek to to follow you and grow in you and and share your truth and your love with the community around us so that we never want to just become an island where we just come together as a group of of believers and have our little pep rally, but that we become a group of believers coming together and inviting non believers so that they can, can taste the, uh, the, the beauty of what you offer us and so God may we always be a church that's not just inward focused but outward focused and wanting to reach others and make disciples as you call us to. So God as we look at things like the state of the church may we always remember that where we are is because you're blessing us and that you are with us as we work hard and also that where we're going Lord we ask that that you're that you continue to be our leader continue to be the, the driving force, the guidance, and the shepherd that is ultimately at the head of this church. And may we never be a church here in the fifth year or, or way down the road in the 50th year or the 100th year when we're all in glory. May we still never be a, a church that loses sight of our first love being Christ. Lord, if we trust you with that. May we be vigilant about that. And Lord, we also, we thank you for some of the victories in some of the the areas in our country and in the denominations, some of the victories that we've heard about this past week. And we pray, Lord, you continue to work in those situations and be victorious so that your names, so that that for your names sake, we continue on mission for you as the body of Christ at large. Lord, may we all be on mission as the Capital C Church to stand on your word. So now, Lord, as we open up, your scriptures today may you guide us and teach us and grow us and 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 just lord i pray that your spirit move in hearts today in jesus name amen amen well if you will open up your bibles like i said to john chapter four we're gonna spend a little bit of time kind of camped out there i'm um, I trust that last week was as much a blessing to you as it was to me with uh, Randy and, and, and Sue talking about encouraging us to remain faithful uh, through Joseph's story, no matter what in life we're facing, knowing that God ultimately will continue and keep his promises. Um, and and uh, as we get back into John, I... I um, I trust. I invite you to uh, take some time and sit down and read through the book of John. Anytime we're spending time in a book of the Bible, it's always valuable for you when you're not here in this room to just to just get out your Bible and just just read. Just pray, say, God, what do you have in this? chapter or in this book for me today and just trust God to speak to you and if you need a Bible there are free Bibles in the tool crib uh, multiple versions some harder to read some easier to read but help yourself that's why that resource is up there is for you um, as you journey whether you're journeying to faith or you're journeying from a place of faith um, we can put some things in your hands and some conversations to help walk you in that or meet together and walk you through all of that but but the connection piece with that, the important piece in that, why I share that, is the, the beauty, and, and this is now our, I think, fourth week that I've spent some time talking about John, and I started uh, each time by introducing us and reminding us that um, when you write a letter, when you write a book, just like we, we do in the Bible, it's written with a purpose, and and John makes makes really doesn't mince words and makes it very clear all throughout that he's writing this so that we will believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and that through him you can have eternal life so that you can have life forever in Heaven And there's a, obviously there's a little bit of a play there because we all have eternal life. The, the, the difference is, is that eternal life going to be with God, the Father, the Holy Spirit, and the Son in heaven? Or is it going to be in hell, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth and darkness and many other awful things and separation from God? But we all have eternal life, but are you going to have eternal life in heaven? And he wants us to believe He wants us to follow Jesus. He uses the word believe 86 times as he writes this letter, more than anybody else that wrote the message of or the story of Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. So, one of the things with believing is we all come to faith or where we're at before faith from a different place, right? Like, we're all unique people. We all have unique stories. We all have unique struggles. No two of us are exactly alike. Some of us are living high on the hog, and, you know, and we, we have everything that we need, and we're just like, we think a lot, try to decipher, kind of what's, you know, is this religion true? Is that religion true? Do I need religion? What's happening? And, and we have all of the things that we need. And we get this point of self-actualization, but yet we think maybe there's more. But then there's other people who are, you know, maybe you're down and out, maybe you're struggling, you're making ends meet and it just feels like everything happens and it just hurts. Some of us are loved in our communities and have amazing reputations. Some of us are down and out in our communities and, and, and maybe, we, maybe you don't wanna walk into Walmart or walk downtown because, well, you know, somebody might look at me crossed or somebody might know something about me. Some of us have fairly squeaky clean pasts and we think, well, what? Is, yeah, Jesus is gonna forgive me for all my sins, but I can really only think of one. Well, I got some news for you, right? The wages of one is death. But then there's other of us that think, you know what? When I look at my childhood and I look at my adolescence and I look at the decisions that I've made since then, there is no way that this God of the Bible could really forgive me and love me because everybody around me has reminded me that I am worthless, that I am nothing. So if the people closest to me don't love me because of what I did, how can this God that you say exists, how can he love me? How can he forgive me? Because I've never met anybody who can. All of us approach this faith differently. And that's one of the cool things about the Bible is... God knows that, right? God knows that we're all unique. God knows that we all have our unique struggles, our unique stories. And and as we read through the stories of the Bible and 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 especially in like in in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and and, and even in the book of Acts, we see so many different kinds of people coming to faith in Jesus. The kingdom of God, even today as we look at the kingdom of the God uh, of God around the world, it's it's a beautiful picture. It's a, I mean, you want to talk about diversification. You want to diverse it, No, We're not talking about investing. We're talking about, you want to talk about diversity in the kingdom of God. I mean, race, gender, every, like, every scale, every socioeconomic breakdown, you can find Christians in those areas because the word of God transcends those things. And in these stories in the Bible, we see that. So today, I wanna introduce you to, or reintroduce you to, a story of a Samaritan woman who meets Jesus at a well. And she was a person who you'll find out was fairly low on society's scale. But Jesus still extends to her the same love, the same grace, the same opportunities that he, would have, that, that he extended one chapter previous to a man named Nicodemus, who was a wealthy Pharisee, a wealthy leader in the Jewish church. So if you have your Bibles and you opened up to John chapter 4, I'm going to read this for you. Um, this is a little bit more scripture than we probably read at one time on uh, other weeks, but, but um, it's a story format. I'm using a, a different version called The Message today that I, uh, I think... Um, You will like it talks a little bit more like we talk, um, but the reason I chose that today is because we're not breaking down words, we're just talking about the story. So I want to give you the story. So um, let's go ahead, we're going to read 1 through 30, and then 39 through 42. So here's what's happening. Right after John 3, we step in. So Jesus realized that the Pharisees were keeping count of the baptisms that he and John performed. and Although his disciples, not Jesus, did the actual baptizing, they had posted the score that Jesus was ahead turning him and John into rivals in the eyes of the people. So Jesus, he left the Judean countryside and he went back to Galilee. To get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sychar, a Samaritan village that bordered the field that Jacob had given his son, Joseph. This is the Joseph from last week. Jacob's well was sitting there and Jesus, worn out by the trip, he sat down at the well and it was noon. A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water and Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? Because his disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? See, Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink and I would give you fresh living water. The woman said, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with and this well is deep. So how are you going to get this living water? Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it? He and his sons and livestock and passed it down to us? Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water that I will give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artisan spring within gushing fountains of endless life. The woman said, sir, give me this water so I won't get thirsty and won't ever have to come back to this well again. And he said, go call your husband and then come back. I have no husband, she said. That's nicely put, I have no husband. You've had five husbands and the man you're living with now isn't even your husband. You spoke truth there, sure enough. Oh, so your prophet, well, tell me this. Our ancestors worshiped God at this mountain, but you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place for worship, Right? Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you Samaritans will worship the Father neither here at this mountain nor there in Jerusalem. You worship guessing in the dark. We Jews worship in the clear light of day. God's way of salvation is made available through the Jews. But the time is coming and it has in fact come when what you're called will not matter and where you go worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in worship. God is sheer being itself, spirit. Those who worship him must do it out of their very being, their spirits, their true selves in adoration. The woman said, I don't know about that. I do know that the Messiah is coming. And when he arrives, we'll get the whole story. I am he, said Jesus. You don't have to wait any longer or look any farther. Just then his disciples came back and they were shocked. They couldn't believe that he was even talking to that kind of a woman. No one said what they were thinking, but their faces showed it. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left the water pot back in the village and she told the people, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out, do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went to see for themselves. Jumping to verse 39, many of the Samaritans from that village committed themselves to him because of this woman's witness. He knew all the things I did. He knows me inside and out. They asked him to stay, so Jesus stayed two days. A lot more people entrusted their lives to him when they heard what he had to say. They said to the woman, we're no longer taking this on your say so. We've heard it for ourselves. And we know it for sure, he's the savior of the world. Amen, amen. So let me just give you kind of some of the context of why this is important and why this story matters. Now we live in, in a world where we understand, we see some of these things, whether we always are, are keen to it or not. But you know, this woman was a Samaritan. So what is a Samaritan? A Samaritan is essentially um, what when I spent, I spent a couple summers on a Native American reservations out in the West, out in South Dakota. And one of the things I learned out there is that they have this, um, this kind of this inside of their culture on the reservation, they have these these battles this kind of underlying only understand it only a part of it if you're a local but this this battle of like full breed versus half breed okay so there really I mean, there really is i was told there really is no such thing as a quote unquote full blooded native american anymore or would be very difficult to find but yet those who perceive themselves to be a full-blooded Native American would go up against those who are what they would call half-breeds, which essentially would be like, well, you're half-white, half-Native. You're half-black, half-Native, so you're a a half-breed. So the Native Americans, those who were, quote-unquote, full-blooded, would say, well, you know, you're not really an Indian. You're pretending to be an Indian. Why don't you just go be white? Why don't you just go be black? Go do... Go do you. And so they had these these battles that would cause the half-breeds to be really pushed down in society. And as obviously still going on. What's happening here in this context is a similar thing that the Samaritans were essentially half-breeds, meaning they were they were, they were half-Jewish or part-Jewish. And so they kind of got... Forced down, they kind of got looked down on by a full blooded Jewish person. So, to even be walking through, you see that all throughout scripture, where anytime that Jesus uh, shows love or grace to a Samaritan person, it's kind of like the disciples are kind of like trying to figure that out. Out. Like, why are you doing that? And, and then the Pharisees will attack him for doing that. And, and, and it's, it's because we see Jesus has a love for all people and it transcends that. So, so when the disciples come back and they see him talking to a Samaritan at a well, that's a big deal. That's a big like, like kind of stake in the ground moment for Jesus. And then another piece of that that's a stake in the ground moment is that she's a woman, so the woman, he shouldn't be talking to a woman and you see that in the scripture, like you're talking to a woman and, and, and on top of that, she's a Samaritan woman. What are you doing? So Jesus is doing this all the time. He's taking people who, who appear in society to be low and he is extending love to them, spending time with the least of these, letting them know it doesn't matter what society tells you. You matter. You matter to God. You matter to your creator. You matter to me. And I love you. And you can receive the same grace as anybody else. So let me also kind of draw out, show you, like, so this Samaritan woman who is kind of lowly, right, is at the well in the heat of the day. There are two times that, that in this area where people would go out and uh, generally it would be the women would go out to the well and they would draw water. If it's a really hot, you're living in a desert, when do, you, when do you go out to the well? You go out to the well and, you know, early in the morning when it's nice and cool, or you go out to the well later in the evening when it's nice and cool. So those would be two times of the day whenever there were a lot of people at the well drawing water this woman, scripture explicitly tells us that this woman was at the well at noon. And the reason for that, the only reason that she would be out there at noon really is because she didn't want to run into any of the other women from the village, any other women from Sychar. She didn't want anything to do with that. So she went out there in the heat of the day to get the water that she needed so that she didn't have to deal with anybody. And the reason why she didn't wanna to have to deal with any, anybody is what we see in the questions and the things that Jesus is pointing out to her. This woman has had five husbands. And we don't know the story, but we know, we know that in our life, when we live in a small town, we know that when we see people, we hear stories and you, you know all the gossip that goes on and things like that, right? We know We know that, things spread negative things spread like wildfire and pretty quickly people everywhere you go people notice like oh i know what she did i know what he did like did you hear about that like and and so so this woman with with five ex-husbands and currently living with someone uh living in sin with someone that she's not married to has a a built up reputation and 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 i think as you read this, what you really see is this woman has been pushed down so much by her community and by her neighbors and so embarrassed and so shamed by the mistakes that she has made, whether they were her fault or something else that happened to her. She has this life, she has this story that her neighbors are, 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 are probably, if not, if not in her face, behind her back, they are building this reputation and saying, well, that's who you are. You are nothing, you are a mistake. You are lowly. So she goes to the well when she doesn't think she'll have to run into anybody else because everyone in her community knows her garbage. This woman was the bottom of the barrel in a bottom of the barrel town. In a community filled with those who society would call second-class citizens, the people in her second-class citizen town thought of her as a second-class citizen. This is a woman that comes from a place of pain, a place of hurt, a place of mistakes, a place of, well, everybody thinks I'm worthless. Everybody thinks I have no value. I've committed sins that I don't think are forgivable. And I don't even have to think that because all my neighbors are telling me that. This is a woman who maybe would have been uncomfortable walking into Walmart or down the street. But Jesus meets her at the well and he changes her story just like he does for any of us who are willing to meet him at the well. No matter whether your life mirrors that woman's or if your life is borderline squeaky clean, Jesus wants to invite us, is inviting us to meet him at the well. And I love the direction he goes with this. It's hot, you need water. And how many of us know that we need water to live physically? Did you know you need water to live physically? Like she's going to the well. She has to go to the well. She has to find a water source. We don't really think a lot about water sources uh, in our life unless, unless you drill water wells or something like that or work down at the plant, right? We don't think a lot of it because we got the faucets, we got the bottle water. Like everywhere we go, we, we got access to water. Like the, the Mahoning ditch goes right through town, right? <laughs> <I'm> always, <laughs> never mind. But we need water to live physically now let me let me tell you a little bit about how important water is now, I, have you, you ever been really thirsty a, a few years ago um, Right about the time we were moving over here, actually, um, I was training for a marathon through winter. And from where we lived in New Bethlehem, it was about uh, it was two miles from our house to the high school. And what I would do is I would just I would run to the high school, run around the high school, and run back to the house, and I'd have a four-mile run. And like a crazy person, when I'm training for a marathon, I'd do that like three or four times, right? Like, so one of these times I'm out there running and. And, and my house is like almost two miles away and I just get so thirsty. I couldn't handle it. Like, I'm just like, I just, I was dying of thirst. You know, the secret to not dying of thirst uh, is to constantly be drinking water. And I, I wasn't doing that. Not, not when you're thirsty, Was just constantly be doing that. But as I'm running, I, I'm like, I, I got another like mile and a half to the house. I'm not, I'm not gonna make it. Like, there's no way that I'm gonna make it. So I, I stopped at, at Subway and I walked in the subway, and I just said to the girl at the counter, I just I was like, can I have a drink of water? I don't have any money, and she's just like, she just got this big grin on her face. She's like, you've been running, haven't you? I said, yeah, can I have that glass of water? So she hooked me up with a glass of water. I quenched my thirst and limped home, right? So water is important. Um, my son, my son Adler, uh, he's a 19 months old now, and Um, he's got this thing where he only drinks milk and water right now. That's all he drinks, milk and water. But he's got this thing where, um, if you haven't been around him, you probably wouldn't know this yet, but every liquid is milk. So when he wants water, he asks for milk. When he wants milk, he asks for milk. The other day, uh, the uh, the bathtub water went down the drain, and he looked at the drain and said, bye-bye, milk. Like, every liquid is milk. So... The other, you know, we need water. And the other day he woke up in the middle of the night, kind of screaming and coughing. And I walked over to his room and I picked him. I said, are you okay, buddy? And he, he looked at, he pointed at his water bottle and he goes, milk. Like he's a baby, but it's, it was like milk. Like, I was like, so you're thirsty. So, so I gave, you know, he wanted the milk. So I gave him, gave him some water, right? Like I'm hooking him up, helping him out. But we, we need water. It's essential for the functioning of our bodies. We need it for our physical life every day. Let me give you some really cool statistics on how important water is. Your body is, is 60% water. Your brain is 70% water. Your lungs are 90% water. Your body uses water for lubricating joints, for cushioning joints, for nourishing and protecting the brain and the spinal cord. It, it regulates your body temperature. It helps you remove waste very important. Water is more important to your body than food. You can go over a month without food, but you can, you know, really can't get over a week without water. It aids in weight loss, endurance, protects from cancer, improves our mood. It energizes us. It keeps us alert. Uh, it, It helps prevent dehydration, helps us pump blood through our body. Um, If you stop drinking water, you begin the process of dehydration. We need water. The process of dehydration is dizzy, irritable, headache, clumsy, right? Some of you are probably thinking, well, am I always dehydrating, right? You get exhausted. You start to lose your eyesight. You get nauseous. You start to vomit, followed by coma, followed by death. This is the process of life without water. We need water to sustain our physical life. And that's one of the things that Jesus was the master at. I mean, you know, as the creator of everything, you would expect that, right? Like he created water. So he had this this uncanny gift from himself, this gift from God to to take an everyday object like water when he's, hey, when he's out and about with people and, and turn it into a spiritual truth, a spiritual lesson. was so good at that and just pointed out like, hey, here it is. Let me tell you about this. And and many of those uh, are timeless and continue on and the importance from culture to culture and age to age. He's so good at that. So as this lady, as this Samaritan woman is drawing water to take care of her physical self, Jesus wants her to know as he draws this parallel that you don't just need physical water. You need living water, and I'm here to give you living water and quench your thirst, your spiritual thirst, and, and give you a, eternal life that you can continue to go back to the well and have everything you need and be constantly refreshed and sustained. See, water was a big deal in the life of Israel. Fresh water for the people, both God and the gospel, are often compared to springs of living water on the account of this life bringing fresh water qualities that we receive from water. It is refreshing. You ever been that thirsty person? You're just like, I just got to get to the fridge and get that cold glass of water and we drink it down and it's so refreshing. That's what it's like to receive the gospel, to receive the eternal life from Jesus. Now, one of the things this passage teaches us that is so important is that when you receive this living water from Jesus, it becomes this bubbling spring from within us. And it bubbles up and it overflows, and and and, and you have to you you have to share it with the world. So let's think about this as, as us, as God invites us, no matter what your life looks like, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter where you've been, no matter where you're thinking about, where you're at right now. Think about this woman. Okay, so this woman went to the well at noon on a hot day to get water. And Jesus and Jesus makes it aware to her that I've got living water. I've got the answer. I've got something that will sustain you and refresh you for eternity. And I am the Messiah. I am the coming savior of the world that your ancestors have been, been waiting for. And he points out to her, I know your sin. I know where you've been. I know the mistakes that you've made. And yet he still offers her that living water. This woman is at the well because she is ashamed of her reputation in that community. She doesn't wanna have to brush shoulders with those who are judging her. But when she realizes that Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is offering living water. You see what happens? It's what can happen to all of us. That when she receives the truth, she runs back into Sychar. She runs back into that village And she begins to proclaim to all of these people who know her garbage, they know her dirt, they know her sin, they know her ugliness, they know she's had five husbands, they know she's living with someone that she's not married with right now and they're judging her for it. And she runs back to those people and she says, hey, let me tell you about a man I just met out there who told me everything that I did. What if he's the Messiah? You gotta go and see. You gotta go find out because it began to bubble up out of her, this spring of living water that she just had to share because this is what happens. We are so ashamed of our sin. If you are lost in sin right now, if you are secretly hiding in your den and looking at pornography every night, you do not want to stand up here on this podium and tell everybody. You don't. If you're cheating on your spouse, you do not wanna stand up here and tell everybody because sin is shameful, sin is embarrassing, sin sin is degrading, sin makes you look bad. Sin hurts, it's guilt-ridden until, until you meet Jesus and you receive that living water and that grace and mercy and forgiveness and you realize that I've confessed my sins to him and I'm set free and I'm washed clean by the blood of the cross. When that happens, when you lay it down before Jesus, you will be so forgiven and so unashamed because all that shame has turned into testimony and now you will wanna run into town like she did and tell everybody, hey, let me introduce you to a man who knew everything that I did And he still loved me. He still forgave me. You want to talk about my sin? Let's do it. Let's sit down to coffee. I'll tell you all of my garbage. I would love to because all of my garbage leads you to this point where you say, and then I met my savior and he forgave me and he loved me and he wants to do the same for you. And when you receive that, just like this woman, the shame is gone. And then you can get to the point you're like, okay, I'm ready to stand up on testimony night and tell everybody who I was because that is the story of who I met and who saved me. That is my salvation story. That is my testimony. That is what I wanna proclaim. Your sin is no longer shameful. It's now just a story to show the world what Jesus has done for you and can do for them. And that is so powerful because what happens in this story happens over and over and over again in life throughout the world, throughout the ages where they hear her testimony and they go out to the well to see for themselves and they meet Jesus and they say, oh, we no longer just believe because of your testimony. We believe because we've heard it and we've met him and he's changed our lives. And that's what Jesus invites us all to. That we hear the message and the many will come from the village and they will believe so that that if you're at a place where you're living in your sin, you're just coated in guilt and you just can't imagine telling anybody about the mistakes that you've made. Jesus wants to wipe that clean and say, hey, here's living water. Here is all you need. Let me quench your thirst. Let me give you eternal life. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Come. And that bubbling spring will come up out of you and you will be able to, for the first time in your life, sit down to coffee with a friend or an acquaintance or a stranger and say, let me tell you about the awful midnight sinful ride that the devil took me on. And let me tell you about when I got off that train, the day I met Jesus. That's where testimonies come from. And Jesus invites all of us, whether your story is like hers or nothing like hers, If you're living in sin, the invitation is to receive living water, to be born again, to be set free so that you can remove all the shame and instead have a bubbling spring of, man, I gotta proclaim this to the world. I got to, I got to. I've been there myself years when I wouldn't wanna share anything with anybody. But then it get to the point as Jesus forgives and opens my heart and reminds me of the testimony and the power of that to be able to stand up before a group like you guys and say, well, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the story because the story and the pain is what makes it a testimony. Story, pain, mistake, victory in Jesus. So I invite you, as the worship team comes to lead us in a song, I invite you whether you are that woman or you're someone completely different, to know that Jesus offers you eternal life, that Jesus offers you living water, that he offers you forgiveness. And that you don't have to carry that around anymore. You don't have to hide at the well when nobody's there. You can come to the well and share the truth and share your story. So won't you stand and sing with us as we close?